sometimes you catch some of the banter when I'm visiting and saying good morning. I just love that. One of the things I like about serving in the auditorium is some of the informality. And sometimes they take advantage of that. Sometimes, I, you know, sometimes they take advantage of that. And I like it. I, I'm just reminded of relationships, right? And I love the warmth of that. As long as I've been alive, I've been a relationship guy. What I lose in brain power sometimes, I delegate some brain power stuff to other people. And they can be the smart one. And I'll be the warm one that gets along. And uh, that works out pretty well most of the time. Sometimes I take the short end of the stick on that, but most of the time it works out pretty good for me. So it's good to be together today. And uh, am I up? I got to log in again? And we're an Apple Distinguished School. That's crazy. So I got to log in all the way from the back. Okay, here we go. This is a test. I get to do this in front of everyone. Doggone it. <laughs> All right, informal for me, not for you. <laughs> Ta-da! Hey, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's smart, Alec. Um, I, love, I love this text today that Jackie read. It's just filled with human stuff. And uh, the, the three people in it are Philip and Nathaniel and Jesus. But I want to frame that in a little more modern context and think a little bit more about um, who's coming back to church and, and what that looks like. And I was reading a study this week from the Barna Institute out of Ventura, and, and they interview thousands and thousands of people. And one of the best books I ever read was Unchristian by a, a gentleman named Dave Kinneman, who I met, and a uh, super good guy, young, and uh, his, uh, his partner's name is Gabe Lyons. And if you Google those and you read anything, they're the confluence of culture and church. And what's going on in the church right now is phenomenal because it hasn't gone on like this probably since about 1946 after World War II. And there's this bizarre thing of ebb and flow of people coming back to worship, coming back into the community of the church. And this is a piece from uh, Dave Kinneman and Barna's latest research, and it said from 2019 to 2022, the percentage of millennials reporting weekly church attendance has increased from 21% to 39%. Now, for those of us who are math challenged, that's almost twice as much. That's huge. This growth in attendance, along with the decline in attendance among <coughs> boomers, marks a shift in church attendance patterns. So what's happening, right? Well, the millennials were kind of laid on stuff. I got married at 24. My wife was 23. People are getting married later now. I did a wedding about a month ago. It was the first wedding for both of the couples. I'm sorry, for both of the people. And they were mid-30s. And they said, well, we had to do everything else first. I go, what do you mean? They said, well, we had to kind of get to know one another. And then because our generation is so risk averse, we had to figure out we were okay with one another. And then we had to figure out uh, where we're going to live and all that stuff. And then we had to figure out if we were going to buy a house. And then we had to figure out how a wedding looked. And we had to figure out, uh, it's just on and on and on. You know, our jobs had to be together, all this stuff. So kind of where people got married in like my parents' generation Hey, you're 18 and you're single. What's wrong with you, right? And now it's very 
premeditated and, and thought out. And so the millennials who are kind of a little bit later in getting started in that part of life are now coming around. And they're having their children in their mid to late 30s. And that's kind of cool. We're in the season here in our congregation of school enrollment. Our preschool is going to be filled up within five minutes, and we'll probably welcome somewhere in the neighborhood of 715 students to our campus. We already have about 67 kindergartners already signed up for school. So what do we have going for us? Well, we've got a community of people who need what St. John's has to offer, not just by way of education and school and desks and computers and those things, but even more by way of community, by way of faith in Jesus Christ, by faith of a value system that's worked in our congregation and worked among our people for over 140 years. And that's a powerful attractant to people. It's been interesting also to note that millennials and, and younger generations are not going back to their parents' values, but going back to the values of their grandparents the silent generation. Fascinating, the upheaval in the world right now. And one of the pieces that goes with that is a sense of skepticism as well. And, and, and you look and you hear it, someone says this, that, this, that, and it goes, seriously, really, come on. Or one of my favorite words I talked about on Christmas was literally. Literally? Literally. My head is literally going to blow up if the Packers lose this afternoon. <laughs> literally? Well, no, but you know what I mean, right? But that, that idea, everything needs to be safe and kind of nailed down, or we'll say, yeah, I fully doubt that. There's no way that's literally going to happen. That's probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You have to prove it to me before I'm going to believe it. And in that regard, the church is uniquely positioned to be successful for this run of of young people sneaking their way quietly back, back to church. We used to say, hey, we really need to make sure we have good greeters and all of that stuff, and we got to make sure our campus is in tune and all of those things. But the reality is that people have been shopping for our community online uh, for weeks or months before they ever come in the door, and we're ready for them. And, and, and I love that. Jesus, Philip, and Nathaniel. Three guys sitting under a fig tree. I think of my son sitting with his friend Tim. And they used to sit not under a fig tree, but a liquid amber tree on the, our old house on Dana Place. And they would sit and just yap. And it was the cutest thing in the world. I don't know if they talked about the density of infinity or the level of, you know, whatever in Jupiter. But they just kind of sat out there with their little bikes and talked. And I always thought it was cool. And I always thought of this story. I'm like... Yeah, Philip and Nathaniel, Timothy and Justin, they're just kind of hanging out. That's kind of cool. First, Philip. Right? Philip is sitting there with his friend, and Philip's all jacked up like a 17, 18-year-old guy gets. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about this, this guy from Nazareth who, who changed my life. And Philip, the skeptic, going, you got to be, or uh, Nathaniel, the skeptic, going, you got to be kidding me. But Philip's saying, no, 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 no. He told me all about myself. He told me about my heart. He told me about my life. He told me all this stuff. And, and all of a sudden, my heart was full. And my eyes were clouded with tears. And somehow, this Jesus, this Nazarene, made such an impact on me that now I'm going to rise up and follow after him. 
one guy can make that much difference in your life? Are you crazy? Is that literally true? Because I really doubt what you're saying. But Philip is overwhelmed. He's, he's, he's filled with this joy of knowing Jesus, of figuring out the purpose of his life, and a, and, and a connection that's bigger than just what he does, but a connection to God through faith that is just brimming over in him. So he's sitting, secondly, with his buddy Nathaniel. <laughs> and Nathaniel must have been a piece of work, right? He's, just, he's, he's like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. One guy, he made all that difference? There's no way. You're telling me that a dude, especially a dude from Nazareth, which is just kind of this backwater, weak-willed, dopey little place in the middle of the Judean countryside, you're telling me that this guy made a difference in your life. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And I think we're dealing with a whole generation of people who look at the church over the last, say, 35 to 40 years and say, can anything good come out of the church? Look at where the church has been. Got all sorts of scandals, all sorts of stuff, all sorts of leaders getting knocked down. All the church of the baby boomers wanted was more money to build more buildings, to make more edifices for the monuments of man. And when that didn't work or you got caught doing bad stuff, what good can come out of the church? Sometimes I feel as a pastor, i got to make that case every day that the church is safe, that the church is focused on Christ, and that the people of our church here at St. John's love other people and love our community. It's no mistake or, or, or no uh, just kind of slipshod thing where we say, oh, we need a video. Let's show Pastor Trevor up there being emotional. No. We want to speak to the skepticism of the generation in no uncertain terms. And we want to refute the skeptical eye that's cast upon the church and be the people that God has called us to be in the way that fits the context in which we live. Philip and Nathaniel are having that conversation, one completely convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, and the other one gets that marvelous invitation to come and see. And in walks who? Jesus the Nazarene. And that interchange is pretty cool, huh? Don't you wish you had that? I wish I could get in that locker room this afternoon and hear what Peter, or Peter LaFleur, that's dodgeball, what Matt LaFleur is going to say. I, I wish I could be a part of that. So these two gentlemen are having this conversation under the fig tree. Jesus walks right in there, and, and Philip's like, hey, what's up? Nathaniel's like, oh. And Jesus says, what? An Israelite in whom there is no guile. Philip's kind of punched in the nose, or Nathaniel's kind of punched in the nose. <laughs> How do you know what we were talking about? How do you know what this conversation was all about? And Jesus said, Nathaniel, I saw you when you were still sitting there under the fig tree and you were talking trash on me. And he says, what? My Lord and my God, you are the Christ. Fascinating. It's amazing what Jesus knows and what Jesus says how Jesus interacts in this community of three 
not to look at Nathaniel and say, you idiot. But he looks at him and says, you know what? I love you. And by the way, you're going to see greater things than me telling you what you were talking about. You're going to see angels ascending and descending on the ladder like Jacob, your patriarch did. You're, you're going to see all sorts of crazy stuff. And you're going to know that I'm the Messiah and that your faith is well-founded. And that to believe in me is to be connected to God Almighty. And that marvelous little invitation that Philip makes to Nathaniel. Come and see. I love that. Come and see. Just give it a shot. Come and change the direction of your life. Where are you going? Well, I'm not sure. Well, why don't you come and see? And change the, 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 the end to a godly end. And see. Keep your eyes and your hearts open. The best part of the worship set is for me, not the, although I love the words, it's the music that speaks to my soul, right? I'm a different guy 45 minutes ago than I am now. Because I've come now I've seen Jesus. And my heart is open in a way that it really isn't the rest of the week because of what we've done in the first 25 minutes of this service. So I think that's some of the value of being together in community and worshiping together. And, and I miss that. If I miss two Sundays in a row, which I can't remember the last time I missed two Sundays in a row, then I feel a little bit lost. But that invitation is beautiful. Come and see. Change the direction, the trajectory of your life. If it's going in a way that's painful or angry or lonely or lonesome, by all means, change the direction and come into the community that we have with Jesus and one another in here and see. Come and see. Keep your eyes and your hearts open in a way that you're connected to the things of God rather than just the things of here and now. And I think the answer, answer to cultural skepticism is along the lines of this as well. Come and see. Come and see where there's hope. Come and listen to where there's 235 people singing. You know, corporate singing is, no one does that anymore except the Church of Jesus Christ. Come and be a part where hope brims so powerfully that, 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 that people gather together around it. People who hold nothing else in common except geography and faith in Jesus Christ. We've got wealthy people in here. We've got nearly indigent people in here. We've got people who are older and people who are younger. We've got people with families who are so put together and so good and people saying, the only hour I have that isn't completely chaotic is my hour in the auditorium. Okay. I can live with that. Come and see what community looks like when you hold Jesus at the center of community. Enjoy. I don't know about you. I'll sing as long as that man's leading. Amen? Yeah. yeah for real, right? Joy. Joy, right? All joy seems to be muted these days. You get up and scream. <laughs> uh, a little bit over-involved, aren't you? Oh, shut up, right? Uh, put your hands in the air. Put your hands together. 
There's joy in the Lord and in a community of people connected through faith. I wonder if that was one of the things that Philip and Nathaniel saw together when they did uh, the wedding at Cana, the joy of the people around when Jesus made a little bit more, I think, Lodi Zinfandel, other people think California cab. You can insert whatever you want. But when he made the wine and the party went on and everyone goes, that's Jesus the Messiah. Joy. One of the things that should set our congregation apart is a sense of joy together. And then a sense of direction in our lives. People are disconnected from destiny. And they say, well, we'll try this, we'll try that, we'll try this, we'll try that, we'll try this, we'll try that. When Jesus says what? Come and follow me. Walk in my footsteps. Walk in my ways. Hear my teaching. See my miracles. Follow with me to the cross. Follow with me to the tomb and the resurrection. Come and see. See the point of life in me. And know that one day... You're going to take that step from this life now to the life that is to come. There's something bigger and grander than just here and now. One of the books that kind of highlights this is The Loneliness Epidemic by Susan Metz. Fascinating thing to look at. I'm going to take this as I travel this week and finish reading it. But... She says, as we think about community, and especially as we think about church, that we need to think about five things. And one is that um, loneliness is not just age. It's not just older people sitting in their homes alone, but that loneliness is an epidemic from top to bottom, from beginning to end. And as a church, we need to recognize that and keep our community of people connected together and robust. We can't just take for granted that because your child's in preschool that you have a connection to community. And so there's an awareness and a mindfulness that goes with that. <laughs> Don't just think that couples who are together are romantically involved so that because they have one another, they don't feel disconnected. Fascinating to think about that. So how do we enfold young couples and love and care for them? Do you remember the old thing called Couples Club? It's about a, gener about a generation removed from that, where you kind of hung out and did your thing. I don't know what they did, played shuffleboard or whatnot. I don't care. It was more about being together than anything else. How do we create community for people trying to find friendships? And the idea of insecurity, that loneliness breeds a sense of maybe I can be here and maybe I can't. And so our church needs to be inclusive, not in the politically correct, weirdo way, but in the way of Jesus. That there's a security in knowing the Lord and being in this community. That you're going to be unconditionally loved because the guy who first put this community together named Jesus loved unconditionally. And so there's a sense of security in that. Her, her piece on this was interesting. He said it's not, she said it's not that social media makes people lonely. It's that they're lonely already and social media exacerbates the loneliness. Fascinating to think about in a place and time where people are obsessed with social media. And then faith and church-going people. This is the last great place of community 
Skeptics, you got it. Doubters, you got it. Sinners, you got it. People whose lives look perfect on the outside but are hurting in the inside, you got a place here. Ethnically diverse, economically diverse, physically diverse, intellectually diverse. I'm good with that. There's a place for everyone in the church of Jesus Christ. And finally, that same thing of privacy. There's a difference between what is personal and what is private. There are things in my life that are private that you don't need to know or anyone except probably Barb and Jesus need to know. But there are those things that people have on their hearts and lives that they need to unload. And community can become a safe place to unload some of those things. And when people find a safe place to be able to say, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm alone. The church of Jesus Christ, you all, me all, we're ready to receive. And these things, how do we work together like Jesus in this text to create a sense of belonging as people come and see? How do we then cultivate closeness in relationships manage expectations have of church and community and work to break the cycle of loneliness. My sense is you're doing it right now. And that the focus on the church going forward, not just our church, but the Christian movement across North America, is to provide people real relationships with God, a real relationship with God, and dynamic hopeful, close, authentic relationships one with another. I love that text. One of the things that's one of my highlights of the week is uh, my Monday night Bible study. Mark Boke and I teach that together. There's a bunch of y'all here. I saw Zatulo and there's a bunch of guys here. It's real community. I hurt. I struggle. I need. I forgive. I love. And I think if we can begin to multiply that over our congregation, you'll see God do amazing things as people are brought from loneliness and fear into closeness and integration. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I love this story probably more than anyone else. Uh, I, I mean, more than any other story. I, I just love that Nathaniel looks and gives you a little bit of lip and, and you launch right back at him. I love that. So I thank you for all the Nathaniels that are sitting in here today. Maybe got drugged to church or trying to figure church out, trying to figure out life. You, you brought us all together today in this community and we're so grateful for that. So bless us all with a sense of interconnectedness of being close to you and in that being close to one another. Help us come and see the very best that you have to offer us and guide us as we build that community around you and in your name. Be with us, Jesus, as we come and see. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.